الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قد افلح المؤمنون الذين هم في صلاتهم خاشعون والذين هم عن اللغو معرضون وقال الله تعالى في ايات اخرى ولا تكن من الغافلين سبحان ربك رب العزة أما يصفون وسلاما على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم الله سبحانه وتعالى describe believers in Quran that which are the believers kad aflah, which will be successful, triumphant, happy. And in this surah Allah Ta'ala mentions several characteristics of the believers. The second thing Allah Ta'ala mentions here, وَالَّذِينَ هُمَنِ اللَّغْوِ مُؤْرِذُونَ هُمَنِ اللَّغْوِ مُؤْرِذُونَ That they do i'raz, they turn away, they spurn everything that is lagh. Lagh means what is fuzul. Lagh means that which has no benefit to them. It's nothing to do with being haram or makru. Lagh means those things that are halal, that are absolutely permissible for them to do. But they're lagh, they have no benefit for them in their deen, no benefit for them in akhirah. They cannot be done lillah fillah. They cannot be done for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in English we would call this lahu is futile, pointless, without any benefit whatsoever. It is wasteful, a waste of time. So Allah ta'ala is describing that who are the believers who will be successful? They turn away from all such pointless pursuits entirely. And another ayah Allah ta'ala said in Quran, وَلَا تَكُمْ مِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ That don't you dare let yourself be amongst those people who are ghafil. Now ghaflat again is not haram. Ghaflat is not makru. Ghaflat is not sin. Ghaflat means that don't let yourself be idle. Don't let yourself be neglectful. Don't let yourself be negligent, heedless. Don't do love and don't be ghafil. So in one place Allah Ta'ala in a positive way described that believers are the ones who turn away from love. In another way, Allah Ta'ala used nahi. He used his imperative form to command us to stay away from that which is ghafla. Our problem is that we are involved, so we call this simply in English, in Arabic, fudul. In Urdu, they also call it fudul. In English, you can call spurious activities. Wasteful, pointless activities. So now I will just use the word fudul. So there are different types of fudul that we do. First is called fudul al-kalam. Fuzul kalam, wasteful talk, idle talk, extraneous conversation, spurious information. We simply speaking, we talk more than we need. Every time we speak and whatever we say, it has an effect on our heart. It has a direct effect on our heart what we say. And we have to understand that what, however we use our tongue is going to break the heart of others, sometimes how we use our tongue can break our own heart. Whether we used some foul language, profanity, we were angry, we were unfair to one's wife, whether we were in backbiting, whether we said something in envy, whether we spread some tale, rumor, gossip, whether we expressed a complaint or negative feeling or ill will towards a fellow believer. Or even worse, we expressed a complaint towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Any one of these words or sentences come on our tongue, it is harmful to our heart, detrimental to our heart. Sometimes a person lies just to enjoy the lie, or they joke just to enjoy the joke. But if they keep this habit up of lying, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, that a believer lies and lies and lies, and if he continues lying, then Allah Ta'ala writes his name as Al-Kazzab, as amongst those who lie. They're liars. It means Al-Kazzab means they become false, they become fake, they become deprived, 
to become depraved. This is why Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Al-ghibatu ashaddu min zina And normally when a person first hears this hadith, they don't understand. Because zina is, for us we view that to be an, and it is an abhorrent sin, extreme sin. But Nabi Yaqarim used a word, extreme. Al-ghibatu ashaddu min zina That backbiting is more extremely intense. It's ashad. It's extremely more extreme than zina. Ya Allah, <laughs> ghibat, backbiting. All I did was say something about somebody behind their back. Maybe they ne- even never even will learn about it. It will never even hurt their heart. They will never even know that I said that. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa zina. So because there's so many possible sins that a person can do with their tongue, the great muttaqeen, salihin, mu'mineen, were very careful with their words. Because they had yaqeen that Allah Ta'ala is as-samiya, He's all-hearing. First they would remember Allah is listening, then they would speak. Now if a person does that, that's the method of zikr and mashayik teach called wakuf kalbi It means to remember Allah Ta'ala all the time. To remind your heart about Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala all the time. To remember the sifat of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala all the time. Anybody who remembers that Allah Ta'ala is listening first and speaks second, they will speak much less and they will speak much differently. If they remember first Allah Ta'ala is listening and then they speak to their wife, they will speak much differently. But if they forget Allah Ta'ala and forget He's listening and forget He's aware and forget He's Al-Khabir, Al-Aleem, then they can talk in any way, shape or form. So to save themselves from the sins of the tongue, they would stay away from Fuzul Kalam. They would stay away from Fuzul Kalam. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu used to say that whoever has more kalam, whoever has more speech, they will have more ibtila, they will be trusted more, and whoever is tested more has a greater chance of falling into sin. So that's why the Mashaikh used to say that you keep your heart busy with the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then your tongue won't find the need to talk about dunya and to talk about news and to talk about events and to talk about creation. But that person's heart who is empty of the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will see that they're very talkative. We call it in Urdu batuni. Yes, used to be only the women were like this. But now increasingly the Men are like this. All the time they want to talk. In fact, they get restless. If they sit with you and you don't talk to them, they get restless. They can't understand how can there be this relationship where the person is quiet, where the person doesn't talk to me. The only concept of human relation is that constantly talking to each other all the time. This is a sign that a person's qalb is empty of the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, it was normally a joke that two women can never sit with each other without talking. Now it's become the situation that two men can also never be with each other without talking. All the time engaged. And it begins like this, fuzul. It begins with fuzul. So Allah Ta'ala said, which of the believers who are successful? They leave all fuzul kalam. They leave all ghafil kalam. They leave all ghafil speech. Mishayikh used to say in Urdu, ke ye zaban hai chota, magar usse hota hai guna mota. Hmm? That this tongue is small, but it has big ability to sin. It has a tremendous ability to sin. So they would be careful. They would be careful because they would remember these things. Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam. he said in Hadith, that that person who can guard what's between their tongue and guard what's between their thighs, the Prophet said, I will give them zamanat, I will give them a guarantee of Jannah. Nabi Yukarim sallallahu he also said, Al-Muslimu man saliman muslimuna min lisanihi wa yadi, that the true Muslim is the one that other Muslims are safe from his tongue and his hand. And he said, tongue first. So the, the muttaqeen, salihi mu'mineen, they would feel these hadith. They would realize that my tongue has a potential to be dangerous. They would protect it. Then Mashaikh they said that in order to help us to protect our tongue, Allah Ta'ala has constructed a fortress, two walls of teeth. Then Allah Ta'ala has made an outer fortress of two lips and kept the tongue behind the two lips and behind the two teeth. Allahu Akbar. Two rows of teeth and two lips. 
to protect the tongue so that we lose it less. But then they said the people, they're like snakes. They always let their tongue out. And if they're always in the habit of fuzul kalam, sooner or later they will slip and their tongue will lash out at someone. That in Sharia we learn how much power our words have, that even one word has so much power in Sharia. For example, that woman who is your mahram, who is haram on you, you just said one word, qabiltu, one word that I offer, I accept, one word you said yes in nikah, that one word, that woman who was entirely haram upon you in every sense, became entirely halal upon you in every sense. One word. Just like that one word, if you say talaq, one word of talaq, that woman who is in your nikah, who is entirely halal on you in every sense, she becomes entirely haram on you in every sense. Then iman and kufr, one word. You can say one word even. Though technically there's a whole sentence of shahada. But even one word of expressing of iman is enough to bring a person all the way from kufr into iman. And similarly saying even one word is enough to take a person outside of iman and bring them into kufr. You see when Nabi Kareem sallallahu said that one of the signs of the end of time will be that a person wakes up with iman but when they sleep they lost it. Or they wake up without iman by the time they sleep they gained it. What does that mean? It's not a long process. Even just one word even just one word will enable a person. So these muttaqeen, salihin, mu'mineen, they would look at this sharia, they would look at those hadith, and they would remember Allah Ta'ala's listening, and all of these things would prevent them from engaging in idle speech. They used to practice this ayah, وَهُمَّنَ اللَّغْوِ مُعْرِذُونَ They would stay away from law, fuzul, kalam, they would stay away from extraneous, futile speech. Abdullah bin Mubarak, one of the great Tabai Tabin, he compiled a set of hadith and he called it Kitab al-Zuhud, where he compiled some hadith of Nabi Akrim sallallahu some stories of Sahaba and stories of Tabin. So in that he mentions the story of one of the female Tabin, yani Tabiat, and her story is Al-Mar'atu Tatakallamu Bil-Qur'an, that there was a woman that all she did was whenever anybody spoke to her, she only recited Qur'an. She would find a way through ishara, through some type of signal, that anytime anybody asked her any question, she would just, she was hafiz of Qur'an, she would just recite a verse of Qur'an. And if there was not able, she could not respond through ishara, by reciting some verse of Qur'an, she would remain silent. And the person would have to find some way to get it out of her. You would have to find a way to ask her the question in such a way that a verse of Qur'an could be the response for that. Allahu Akbar. She spent her whole life so then somebody, and it's his own story, Abdullah bin Barak, that he met this woman. So then he asked her, her sons, that how long has your mother been like this? And they said, for eight years, our mother has never said anything except for Qur'an. Eight years. Because they were so careful. So careful. Because they knew that on the Day of Judgment, every single word I say will be written in my book of deeds. Every single word I say, I will have to answer it. People don't think like that. They act in a huff act in anger, act in haste, speak out of envy, hmm? react, overreact, and they don't realize, they may even forget those words, but that book of deeds won't forget those words, Karam and Katibin won't forget those words, and Allah SWT won't let them forget those words on the Day of Judgment. This is half the reason why you have problems with mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, between husband and wife, between friend and friend, neighbor and neighbor, musalli and musalli, because they let their tongue loose. They started engaging in fuzul kalam, then it's a slippery slope, they slipped into improper kalam. Our mashayikhs say that just the way sometimes physicians ask you to stick your tongue out, and they check and they can look at your physical tongue, and they can diagnose your physical health, they say we listen to the kalam of a person. How much he talks and how he talks, we can tell the hal of their kalb. By listening to their tongue. So physicians can tell the physical health by looking at the tongue. And Mashai can tell the spiritual health by listening to the tongue. Hmm? Allahu Akbar. So our great Mashai, they used to remain quiet. Hazrat Khwaja Baqi Milaram Ta'ala, great Naqshbandi Shaykh, who was Shaykh of Imam Rabbani, Shaykh Amitra Hindinam Ta'ala, he used to often remain silent. Sometimes he would just sit and the people would just sit with him in silence. And one day one of his murids, he asked, Shaykh, can you say something? Shaykh, can you say something? Benefit us with your words. 
So he said that that person who cannot benefit from my silence, he will never be able to benefit from my words. Allah Akbar. That person who cannot benefit from my silence, he will not be able to benefit from my words. So they were very quiet, very quiet. Whenever they spoke, they spoke the truth, they would speak with purpose. They would never speak without purpose, without reason, without intent. That's called leaving Fuzul Kalam. And we're just releasing. We call it Malfuzat. We're just uttering our own dictations and speeches without purpose, without intent, without reflection, without wisdom, without zikr. This is the benefit of zikr. That zikr also means, wukuf kalbi also means, don't speak unless you're in a state of zikr. Don't speak with your tongue unless your kalb is zakir first. First your heart should remember Allah, then you should speak. And because they had this zikr kalbi, because their hearts are remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so they used to speak less. So first way then we have to do amal on this verse of Qur'an, وَهُمَّنَ اللَّهُ وَمُعْرِذُونَ is to stay away from fuzul kalam, to stay away from fuzul speech. Second, is called fuzul looking. Fuzul looking, what does that mean? That we look around too much. We look around too much. We are too aware of our surroundings. We're too aware of the scenery around us. When a person travels on the plane, they're too aware of the female passengers and female stewardesses. When they're driving in the car, they're too aware of the billboards and the women on the streets. When they're going in the store, in the shop, they're only supposed to have been aware of whatever item they went to purchase, but instead they're aware of the other customers in the shop. All of this is fudul nazar. We are overly involved and aware. Our vision is seeking. Hmm? It's like our eyes are laser-guided, heat-seeking missiles looking for beauty all the time. Hmm? Radar is on, vision is on, range of vision is maximum. This is all fuzul. So it begins with fuzul nazar, being too interested, too gazing, too much looking around. And again, once you enter the fuzul, very quickly a person enters into sin. Very quickly a person enters into sin. So one of the first meanings of lower the gaze is actually avert your gaze, means turn your gaze away from anything that is not your intended object of gazing. But don't view your eyes as just some panoramic camera, right? Like people, they walk around with their phone, they're just taking a picture of everything, right? And you think they look foolish when they walk like that. Well, we walk like that with our eyes. (laughs) We walk like that with eyes, taking in everything. So first way to save ourselves from the sin of the eyes is to stay away from fuzul nazar. To stay away from fuzul nazar. Because what happens if you try to make your eyes have input and they take all the input in? All that input you take goes into your heart. And when you take all that input in with your eyes, then the heart, if your input is rubbish, your output will be rubbish. You take all that input in your eyes, you will have dirty thoughts. You take all that input with your eyes, you will have impure feelings. You will have impure desires. Because you took so much in with your eyes. When our eyes are not sweeping the dirt and dust of the society around us. Just like when we tell our children that don't walk with your hand on the railing because it's dirty. Why do you want to do that? So just like that, we use our eyes to take in and sweep everything that we see out there. Whether in the market or the mall or the shop or the family gathering. So that's wrong. If we could learn to control our fuzul nazar, fuzul nazar, you will see the women that if they see that there is some dust in their house, they will go and shut the window or shut the door. So just like that, we have to keep a tight control on this opening to make sure the dust doesn't come in. Only things that we need to look at, that we must look at, that we should look at, our gaze should be targeted. We should not have a wandering gaze, a meandering gaze. So this is a door that goes into our heart. Whatever we see will have an effect on our heart. Hence Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran, That Allah ta'ala knows even the slightest betrayal of your eye, means Allah ta'ala knows even the single gaze glance that you cast. And Allah ta'ala knows what you hide in your breasts. So here there's a rupt in this verse, that what you see and what is in your heart. So clearly what you see affects what will end up being in your heart. So if we look at things, even if we accidentally get a glance, people don't misunderstand. 
the first glance may be forgiven in the sense if you didn't do it deliberately it won't be sin but it doesn't mean it won't be detrimental it won't be detrimental the very first problem is that the first glance that you did involuntarily it's what puts in the desire and temptation in your heart to look deliberately most people can't pass that test 99% of people if they happen to glance at a beauty they can't pass that temptation not to put the second glance so better not to glance in the first place Better to be purposeful in your gaze and not to have fuzul nazar. Not to have fuzul nazar. Again, Nakar Mashaik said that Allah Ta'ala put the tongue behind these two fortresses of teeth and lips. Just like that, they say that Allah Ta'ala gave us fast-acting eyelids that you can blink in a second. So how can somebody say in the Day of Judgment, Ya Rabbi Kareem, I couldn't protect myself from seeing. Allah Ta'ala made completely in our control that we can blink anytime we want. We can turn our eye anytime we want. Allah Ta'ala has physically empowered us perfectly to do amal on lowering the gaze. Unless somebody has illa mashallah, somebody has unhealthy eyes. Otherwise Allah has given us incredible physical power. Incredible physical power. Both the ability to look away, the ability to look down, the ability to blink in the blink of an eye. In the blink of an eye, you can save yourself and in a single blink of an eye, you can lose yourself. So dangerous. <laughs> Just like we said, single word, same thing. Just like here, single glance, single blink of an eye. So because the muttaqeen, salihin, mu'mineen, they understood this. So they didn't engage in fuzul nazar. They wouldn't let their gaze wander, wouldn't let gaze, their gaze meander. Because it's in human nature. If you look and you like what you see, then you want to talk and you want to hear. If you like what you hear, then you want to touch and then it will go all the way to the end. All the way to the end. So Allah SWT wanted to save us from this. Save us from this. So He told us that who are the successful believers? They stay away from the futile gaze. Nabi Kareem Wasallam said in the hadith that that person who keeps his eyes closed, eyes averted and lowered, or even closed if need be from ghair mahram, Allah Ta'ala will give them the lazat of ibadah. They will get the enjoyment of worship. Because if they don't lower their gaze, they will lose the enjoyment of worship. So it's a big price, Allah Ta'ala, and Allah Ta'ala makes it happen instantly. Then what happens is a person enters a delusion. They misdirect their gaze and they try to make zikr. It won't work. <laughs> they misdirect their gaze and they try to make zikr. It's like eating a very bitter fruit that they say the bitterness lasts on your tongue for 24 hours. And then you try to take a candy. The candy will have no effect because your tongue has become so bitter because of that bitter fruit. So until and unless we can learn to protect our gaze, that zikr won't have as much of an effect as it's supposed to. So much so that people will say that they're standing in salah and they recall those images. They're making zikr, they get these bad thoughts. So this is wrong. This is wrong. Mansar Shaykh gave a beautiful example. He said that once they were traveling on the road from Makkah to Medina Manawra in hot summer, very hot. And they were in one of those GMC Suburbans. Hmm? And the women were in the third row. And because they were also in full niqab and full abaya, and even the men were extremely hot. So they didn't understand. And the driver insisted that the AC is on and he couldn't understand. And it's so hot in the car, it's daytime. And finally they found that there was one window that was slightly open. And when just that one window was slightly open, it was preventing all the effect of the AC on full max from cooling down. But when he closed the window, then the air conditioning had an effect. So Sheikh said that just like that, if you have the full air conditioning of zikaron, but you kept your eyes slightly open, you let yourself gaze slightly at something you weren't supposed to look at, all of that full air conditioning won't have an effect. Allah Akbar. Aji. How are Mashaikh simple things that happen to them in life? They use it to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They use it as a way to guide us to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's correct. So we have to lower our gaze. Then Nabi Yukareem sallallahu alayhi wa said in a hadith that the gaze of a human being is one of the arrows of shaitan. One of the weapons, one of the arrows that shaitan uses. So if you control our gaze, we will have the beauty of iman. This is what Allah ta'ala said in Quran. That you should tell the believers they must lower their gaze. And they should guard, guard their 
modesty or chastity. What does it mean? This ayah is also making clear that if you engage in fuzul, you will end up in haram. If you don't lower your gaze, control your gaze, you will end up losing your chastity, losing your modesty. If you let your eyes wander, that which is between your thighs will start to wander. This is what Allah is saying in Quran. So clearly, what is fuzul leads to what is haram. So Mashaik said, nip the evil in the bud. Tarki fuzul, leave what is fuzul, leave extra extraneous, pointless, futile talking, and leave extra pointless, futile gazing. Then another thing Mashaik said is that when you engage in this unlawful looking, then you lose another type of thing which is called the firasat, which is called basirat, which is called furqan, means your inner gaze, your inner perception. Fa'alhamaha, fujuraha, wa taqwaha. Allah Ta'ala inspired us to be able to tell what is haq, what is batil, what is fujur, what is taqwa, what is virtue, what is vice, what is good for us and what is bad for us. But if you corrupt this gaze, then Allah Ta'ala makes this faculty corrupted. And those who lower their gaze, Allah Ta'ala gives them this basirat. When they use their basarat, their vision according to the wish and will of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala gives them firasat, basirat. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said in hadith, ittaku firasat al-mu'min, that you should be wary of the deep insight of the believer, fa'innuhu yanduru bi nurillah, because the true believer, he looks with the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the mu'min. But they lose that because they're not kullul mu'mineen, they don't lower their gaze. So because if they don't lower their gaze, then they lose that basarat. So they will think that, no, no, it's okay, what's my fault? Allah Ta'ala said, I have desires, I'm trying to find second one and third one. They will lose their farasat. They will lose their basirat. If they misuse their basarat. Allah Akbar. So the great ulama and mashaykh, they used to be very careful. They're very careful of their gaze. Very careful of their gaze. And when a person misdirects their gaze, you will never see a change in their public behavior. Publicly they behave the same. It will affect their private behavior. It will affect their private life. It will affect their spiritual life. It will affect their ibadah. The misuse of gaze will not affect a person's public role, public behavior at all. They will keep, Allah Ta'ala gives them the same izzat in public. This is a sign. But the zillat comes upon them in private. Allah Ta'ala will make them do disgraceful acts when they're alone, in the dark, or when no one can know, no one can see, no one can find out. The disgrace will come to them there. Publicly, they will be able to remain, but Allah Ta'ala knows. You should always be scared most of that sin that only you and Allah know. That should be the sin that you're scared the most of. And the sin that you know and other people know about you, right? You should be less scared of that. You should always be the most scared of that sin that only you and Allah Ta'ala know that you did it. And this is that type of sin. This is that type of sin. Because sometimes if others know of the sin, when you fall in their eyes, Allah Ta'ala makes that as a punishment for your sin. So you miss Fajr in front of your wife and children and they see you miss it. You fall lower in their gaze, Right? You get some zillat in front of them, but at least that is a slight punishment for us. But this sin that you do that only Allah Ta'ala knows, that sin due to which you get no zillat publicly, you get no disgrace publicly, you should be more scared of that. We are foolish that we are less scared of those sins. We are the complete opposite to this hikmah. We are more scared of those sins that lead to public embarrassment. We are more scared of those sins that others find out about. No, no, no. You should be more scared of those sins that only Allah Ta'ala knows. You should be more scared of those sins that don't have no public embarrassment. Because then the entire wabal, entire punishment of that sin will be directly from Allah Ta'ala on the Day of Judgment. Much more scared of those sins. So this is why Mashaik used to preserve their nazar, guard their nazar. Mashaik teaches to preserve and guard our nazar. So first thing to stay away from was fuzul kalam. Idle extra talk. Second was to stay away from fuzul nazar, fuzul gazing. Third is fuzul listening. Fuzul listening. Similarly, whatever we hear will have an effect on our heart. And once you engage in spreading your ears too much, when you're overly listening, you'll end up sooner or later listening to something that is haram. People who listen so intently, they come back and say, I went into the mall and I heard the song on the speakers. 
How did you even notice that? How did you even notice that? Why were your ears so attentive? Why were you so listening to everything around you? Why do you hear all the sounds around you? Why did you hear the alluring voice of the woman standing next to you in the elevator? Why are you hearing everything? Too aware. Too aware. Fazu. Then what happens is that they will end up in some type of sin. They will listen to ghibah, they may listen to music, they will listen to some story that is, has incorrect meanings, incorrect feelings in it. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful. And this is why also you will find that it's better to talk less on the phone. Because not only do you talk less, but you will listen less. You don't want to listen, you don't want to lend an ear so much to anyone and everyone. Yes, okay, it's your mother or something like that, that's different. But to lend your ear and listen to anything and everything, anyone and everyone has to say, that's foolish. That's fuzul listening. That's extraneous listening. Pointless listening. You should listen to something purposefully. Otherwise you should imagine as if your hearing is off. That you only turn your hearing on when you have to hear something that is beneficial to you. Some deen, nasiha, dawa, ilm, zikr, adab, akhlaq, Otherwise you should feel like make niya that your ears are turned off. Why is the receiver always on? If you keep your receiver on to every transmission, then there will be some incorrect transmissions that enter that receiver. And whatever enters the ear will also enter into the heart. Will also enter into the heart. Fourth fuzul. Fourth fuzul is fuzul thoughts. Extraneous thoughts. Now, a thought coming that's natural, we're not responsible for that. Our problem is that a thought comes, whether from our nafs or from shaitan, but we make the mistake, we dwell on that thought. Then that thought becomes what they call a train of thought. So dwelling on that thought and having a train of thought, that's fuzul, that's extra. The believers don't do that. They ignore thoughts. Sometimes we give this example that if you're working in an office and there's traffic outside, there's cars outside, you can ignore it. Have you ever heard somebody saying to the boss, I can't work, why? Because outside there are cars passing on the road. He'll say, what's the matter with you? <laughs> you get to work. He says, no, but I have window office and I can see in the corner of my eye from the window that cars are going on the road. Just like that, you should imagine these thoughts, stray thoughts, or khawatir in Arabic. Idle thoughts, stray thoughts, stray recollections, random recalled memories. Just view it as the cars going on the road outside your window. Pay it no heed. Pay it no attention. Just like you remain focused on your work on the desk, remain focused on what you're doing. Keep busy in your work or profession or studies or whatever you do. Otherwise, keep busy in deen and zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or keep busy in hukuk al-ibad. Don't pay any attention to those thoughts you will find people are the opposite. They like to sit and just stare out the window. And you walk in the room and you just see them. They were just, would you, what were you doing? Oh, I'm just thinking. Allah Akbar. They actually say that. Say, what were you doing? I'm just thinking. What have you been doing for the past half hour? Just thinking. What did you do on the whole subway ride, tube ride? Just thinking. What did you do on the plane ride from place A to B? Just thinking. All of that is fuzul thoughts. All of that is fuzul thinking extraneous thinking, spurious thinking. And then what happens is the more you enter this world of thoughts, the less you will be able to zikr of Allah Ta'ala with your heart. The more akli you are, the less kalbi you will be. And this is our problem. We're constantly analyzing. Some people have this other problem that they're always second-guessing themselves. Always unsure, lacking confidence, all the way up to vehem, paranoia. Some second-guess whether they have wuzu. Right? It's strange. Once a person came to me and said, Oh, I have this constant problem. I can never tell if I've done wudu. And I said, What do you mean? So I've washed my arm and I always have this vem that not every part of my arm got wet. I said, Well, why? Because I pour water over my arm and instantly I see that it's dry. I said, Yes. <laughs> have you ever poured water on leather upholstery? This is leather. You have human leather. This is called leather. Right? When you pour water on leather, instantly it becomes dry. Instantly, instantly you will see dry patches. This will happen to everyone when they make wudu. He said, I never realized that. I said, what do you think you're made of? <laughs> this is the nature of your skin. He 
He said, for years I've been in this van, I kept looking at the dragon again, poor boy, looking at the dragon again, poor boy, Ya Allah, you can keep making wudu for 24 hours. <laughs> you can take a shower, the second you step out of the shower, you will see parts of this are dry now. Because the water flows, because it's leather. That's the nature of leather. But why? Because they think too much. They think too much. Always constantly analyzing people. Always judging people through their own filthy thoughts. Judging people through their own confused thoughts. Judging people through their own uncertain thoughts. Making decisions on the basis of their own confused thoughts. On their own uncertain thoughts. This is a terrible way to live. You will just go from one confusion to another. You're fooling yourself if you think you're going to move from confusion to clarity. You just be in this loop, loop of confusion until you break this ugly life. Always thinking, always having thoughts. And everything they do is based on thoughts. Always strategy, planning, counter-planning, with other people debating, discussing. Then they walk away from the Fuzul Kalam, they continue the conversation in their head. Thoughts? <laughs> huh? They keep talking to the person in their head. They take, replay the conversation in that night in their head. They rethink what they should have said. They wish they could have said this. They wish they could have said that. They wish they didn't say this. They wish they didn't say that. Oh, fuzul. All fuzul thoughts. And they don't make zikr kalbi. That's why you know we tell you people, turbocharge akal and one cc kalb. Hmm? Can never last in the soul of this person. Will never be able to last. They will follow their mind. Mind can never lead you on Sirat al-Mustaqim, never. If you choose to follow your mind, you will end up on detour. You will end up on some exit. You will end up on some long, circuitous path. Fuzul. All of this is Fuzul thoughts. What's on my mind, what's on their mind. And again, when a person ends up on these Fuzul thoughts, it leads to Haram. One Haram again, it leads to lustful thoughts. Another Haram it leads to is envious thoughts, hostile thoughts. Another haram it leads to, is instead of doing tawakkal on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the person is always thinking about who is enmity towards me, who has envy towards me, what's the other person thinking about me. This is also a type of sin. To constantly be over-engaged in what the other person is thinking about me. Having thoughts about what others are thinking. That's why they say, I know what you're thinking. I know that you know that you know what I'm thinking. That's how they talk to each other. Because they're all so ugly. They're all in one huge ugly circuit with each other. Hmm? Then they go on and on in a sci-fi way. I know that you know that I know that you know that I know what you're thinking. Ya Allah. Huh? Ajib. Hmm? Ajib. Then they start thinking they have deja vu. Then they think they see the future. Then they write long email like this, Sheikh. Some things happened to me, and I think I've seen them before. Things happened to me, I think I knew it was happening before. Then they get this delusion, they think they have some maqam and hal. That has nothing to do with taqwa. Inna akramakum indallahi atkakum. But you want me to write you a shabash that something happened to you, and you think you knew it before? You think you saw it before? You think that's deen? It's caught up in their thoughts. Akli. Then they create nauzabila akli tasawwuf. Then they create akli deen. Complete, it's zalala. It's complete misguidance. Completely misguided. Then they have strange thoughts. I think I saw my Shaykh in Medina Manawara. You didn't. <laughs> Shaykh was here. <laughs> you didn't. You think that's the sawaf? That you think you saw your Shaykh in Medina Manawara? You think that's something special? All the time. I think Shaykh knew what was in me. I think gave, Shaykh gave beyond just for me. I think Shaykh this... When I walked in, I think Shaykh saw me and he looked at me in a certain way. It's all wrong. This is all wrong. Some people have this strange, fanatical, miraculous karamat relationship with Shaykh. That's not real to Sawaf. Anytime you see that, you should be wary. I think the second I walked in, Shaykh gave me tawajju with my eye. That's all your thoughts. That's all your thoughts. Mashai give tawajju from heart to heart. And the real tawajju is the one you never know. Yes, let me tell you some of the secrets of the trade. Real mashayikh who give real tawajjah, you will never know it. And the other mashayikh, they will try to give you tawajjah with their eye and their look, and you will try to take it with your eye and your look. You think tawajjah is about exchanging expressions? Foolish. It's a misguided tasawwuf some of you are involved in. It's misguidance. It's not real tasawwuf. Not the tasawwuf of Imam al-Rabani This is a new thing. Shaykh worship. Everything is about the miracle of shaykh, company of shaykh. 
tawajjuh of shaykh, nazar of shaykh. Don't get me wrong, there's no doubt it's an effect of soba. But your ugly way of thinking about it is all in your mind. <laughs> and you think, again, it's a delusion shaitan puts in you. You think you read some maqam in deen because you think your shaykh gave you some tawajjuh. Foolish. The only way you get maqam in deen is if your life becomes according to sharia and sunnah. If your life is more taqwa. And if your life is exactly the same, but you think every time you come in majlis, shaykh gives you a look, but your life is the same, believe me, that look is not going to get you anywhere on the Day of Judgment. Foolish. Foolish type of tasawwuf. So all of this is from fuzul thinking. Fuzul thinking. Allah says, Kad aflaha. The only those believers will be successful. They leave all these things. They leave all these things. Fifth is fuzul ta'am. Fuzul ta'am, extraneous eating. Eating more than required. Eating more than needed or than eating more than the sunnah. Because even the Bihakri allowed us to eat more than bare minimum subsistence level. But to eat anything more than the adab of eating that are mentioned in the sunnah, that's called fuzul eating. All of you know, for example, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said that you should eat one-third and drink one-third and leave your stomach one-third empty. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to stop eating when you still feel slightly hungry. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that you should not raise the next morsel to your mouth until you've completely chewed and swallowed what's in your mouth. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said you should chew a lot. So these are the adab and sunnahs of eating. Eating more than this or eating in any way other than this, that is called fuzul ta'am. That also creates laziness, laxity in a person. Creates laziness and laxity in a person. Because we've told you before, that when you eat in the amount and according to sunnah, that food becomes energy that you will use in the obedience and worship in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you eat other than the sunnah or beyond the sunnah, then that food goes to your nafs, it becomes energy the nafs uses to try to rebel against you. Now sometimes you may have the taqwa to be able to fight your nafs. Sometimes you may have it, that you ate more and your nafs tried to rebel and you fought it. But sometimes you won't. So it makes more sense never to give your nafs that energy to be rebellious against you. Never to give your nafs that ability to rise up against you. So this creates slackness. Slackness in a person. That they always want to eat more. This is why Allah SWT said in Quran, Kulu wa shabu wa la tusrifu. That eat and drink. Wa la tusrifu. But don't do israf. Don't overdo it. Means don't do fuzul eating. Don't do fuzul drinking. If you don't need to have so many cups of tea a day. Um, let me hit you where it hurts. Huh? You don't need to have get the super 20 ounce uh, soda you don't need that it's all fuzul it's fuzul drinking fuzul drinking that will also have a negative effect on you and the hakeem say that the, if you drink more than you should then you will get sleepy then you will end up with another fuzul which is fuzul sleeping hmm? but here I'm not done with the fuzul eating when you eat too much what happens Ajib one of the Hanafi ulama he uh, author of Fatawa Tatarkhaniya in Fatawa Tatarkhaniya it's a book of fatwa in the middle there he writes in one juzi one masla on the way by the way on the side he says that that person who eats a lot his words will have no effect on people his nasiha will not impact the hearts of people why? because when he sits and gives bayan on a full stomach the kalb will be diluted and because the kalb is diluted, he won't be able to speak from heart to heart, even if he's a good person. But if he sits in bayan on a full stomach, his words won't have an effect on people. Allah Akbar. Hmm? Look how much care these people used to take. Hmm? So they may go away praising a speech, but the speech won't affect their hearts because he gave them the speech on a full stomach. That's what they write. Allah Akbar Kabira. Ajib Shan. So, in some hadith about, from Nabi Kareem about eating, one hadith Nabi Kareem said that Bani Adam, that the human beings, they never fill the, fill the container worse than their stomach. Means if there's anything that's full, there's nothing worse full than a full stomach. How many times do we fill this container? Hmm? How many times do we have a full? And Nabi Kareem said 
there's nothing worse. These salihin, muttaqin, mu'mineen, they would feel these hadith. They would live their life in light of this hadith. Our problem is that we are too accustomed to eating a lot. And Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he said that Aisha to in the early period he was a refugee basically, homeless refugee. So she says that three nights never passed that he ate his fill. There was never three days or nights like that that Nabi some consecutive on each of the three days ate to his heart's contentment. And his heart's contentment was not even his stomach's contentment. But even that, even the sunnah amount of eating, even that he never had for any three consecutive days. Allahu Akbar Kameena. This is Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So disobedience of Allah Ta'ala is more likely to be committed by a person who is on a full stomach rather than a person who remains a bit hungry. This is why Allah Ta'ala when He wanted to increase our level of obedience what did He make us do fast in the month of Ramadan? لَأَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So the delil that being hungry enables us to get more taqwa being hungry enables us to obey Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala more. So some people when they have too much food it leads to shahwa, lustful desire. Some people it leads to arrogance and pride and being doing jabber and being overpowering on other people. For some people it simply leads to them being sluggish. Their minds will grasp things less. Their heart will be able to do less zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Here our Mashaykh has a khawaja bahawdi naqshaban bukhayram they used to say that if a person does a lot of ibadah they can eat more. If they do less ibadah, they should eat less. So he worked it in reverse. He said, because if you're going to use the energy, get the energy. And if you're not actually using the energy, you shouldn't get the energy. Like, for, in other words, it means for the car, that if it's five point, if it's whatever, what is it called? V8 engine, then give it five liters. <laughs> and if it's V2 engine, then you should give it less. So he said, you should look at it that way. Tar Mishayik used to explain this in Urdu. Achak. काम करते हो तो फिर अच्छा खाना खाओ अगर अल्लाह ताला के दीन का अच्छा काम करना है तो अच्छा खाना खाएं इफ यू गोइंग टू डू गुड इबादत गुड वर्क ऑफ दीन यू शुड ईट वेल एंड इफ यू डोंट डू गुड इबादत यू डोंट डू गुड वर्क ऑफ दीन देन यू शुड नॉट ईट वेल ऑलराइट दैट ब्रिंग्स अस टू द नेक्स्ट नंबर 6 फजूल स्लीपिंग फजूल स्लीपिंग अल्लाह अकबर व्हाट डू आई नीड टू से अबाउट दिस टू दिस ऑडियंस हां हु डजंट नो अबाउट फजूल स्लीपिंग Fazul uh, sleeping means sleeping beyond what is required. Sleep is the number one type of ghaflat that we do. Walatukum min al also means do not sleep more than you need to. Don't sleep wastefully. Don't sleep extra. And you people in particular, very few people I've met actually in UK, I've been coming for three, four years now, very few of you I'd call hardworking. You have very calm, relaxed, laid-back lives. Very relaxed. MashaAllah. Work a few hours in the post office. Huh? Ah. Work hardly, not even 40 hours a week. Work 10, 20, 30 hours a week. Too much free time is a bad thing for you people. Very relaxed lives. I don't know I've seen such people with such free time. In fact, I'm just looking around actually. In present company... You people in the Northwest, you have a lot of free time. A lot of free time. One thing you do, you oversleep then. Fuzul sleeping. You sleep more than you should. Illa, mashallah, one or two of you will work hard. Most of you that I know, you have a lot of free time. And you oversleep. Now let me explain to you, specifically, those who are salikin. All that time that you oversleep, that was the time you were supposed to give maraqabah. That's it. That's simple. All the time that you oversleep, that was the time you were supposed to give Muraqabah. And Muraqabah was also relaxed. Muraqabah was also sukoon. Allah bi-dhikrillahi tatmannul kuloon. Your kuloon would have gotten itminan. It would have been the same thing. So my own estimate is that a person can sleep six to seven hours out of 24. Beyond that is fuzul. There are many people who sleep less than that in the ummah. But beyond six to seven hours is fuzul. So you can try it if you look at your schedule and you say you sleep eight hours on average. Bring yourself down to seven and do one hour of maraqabah and see what happens to you. I can just offer you, you can try it. 
That's how confident I am in this. That I'm telling you, you test it. Yes. <laughs> I'm telling you this is testable hypothesis. You test it and see. Hmm? And if you want, try to sleep six hours and do two hours, Markaba. Right now you're not ready to go below six. Present company cannot go below six. That's another, that's a fuzzle and karm from Allah SWT. You can only go below six if you're either doing a lot of work in dunya. You will find people who for the sake of dunya, they go below six. For the sake of dunya, they go below six. Or for the sake of khidmat of deen, dawat of deen, you can go below six. Otherwise, if you're not doing any of those two intensely, don't try to go below six. But what you can do is do six plus zikr, especially the zikr that our mashayik teach called muraqaba. So fuzul sleeping is also a big type of khaflat. Here we can have time to comment so much on that. Fuzul earning. Fuzul earning, seventh type of fuzul. Fuzul earning. Now look to work for halal, risky halal, the kasbi halal. That's a duty that Allah has given us. But sometimes we go for fuzul earning. Fuzul earning. What does it mean? When you try to get too many extras of the dunya, then you're in danger that you may slip into something that is doubtful. Once you slip into something that is doubtful, you're in danger of slipping into something that's haram. Doubtful can mean slightly exaggerating on your resume, doubtful. Slightly misspeaking on the interview, doubtful. Slacking off at work, doubtful. And some of these things eventually could lead to haram in earning something that is haram. And some people, when they try to earn a living, sometimes what happens is they tried their best and whatever they wanted, they weren't able to reach that goal. For example, if they thought that if I work very hard in a halal way, Inshallah, within five years, I'll be able to afford my own house. And after five years, they can't afford it. So what happens is once they set this target for themselves, and maybe they share target with wife, Allah Akbar, and when the five years end, and they couldn't meet the target themselves, and wife also will remind that you didn't meet the target, then they start feeling the pressure. When they start feeling the pressure, then sometimes they go into something doubtful. Then they may even go up all the way into something haram. And they go all the way into something haram. Once we met a person that they wanted to make a quick deal. So they said, oh, it's okay, I'll just take an interest-bearing loan from the bank, but short term, because I'll rearrange my cash flow and rearrange, put in a kyambala, right? But they ended up in sin. <laughs> but they couldn't understand. They said, no, no, it's just temporary, I'm rearranging my cash flow, and I have to make the deal now. People don't understand. They're thinking too much. They're trying to earn too much they went for fuzul earning. And it's been our experience that all of these feuds that we see, family feud, brother-brother feud, father-son feud, partner-partner feud, it's all because they tried to earn more than they did. There was never a problem when they were earning enough for their own families. The day they tried to earn more and more and more, then it became greed. Then money becomes a fitna. Money doesn't become a fitna. Mal is not a fitna if you don't go to the level of fuzul. But when you go to extraneous, superfluous wealth, then the levels of fitna, Allah Akbar. Brother doesn't talk to brother for eight years. Father doesn't talk to son for eight years. We've had real cases like this. Court cases. They're happy to give tens of thousands of pounds to the lawyers. They can't settle it and give each other a few hundred pounds. Yes? And they actually end up, Allah Ta'ala puts them in this wabal. They actually combine end up giving tens of thousands of pounds to the lawyers <laughs> because they don't want to give one penny to each other. But all of it was when it was fuzul. All of this is fuzul mal. It's all, obviously, otherwise how can you give if it's not extra? How can you afford to give it to the lawyer? Hmm? So fuzul mal is a big fitna. Fuzul mal is a big fitna. Then what happens is that even sometimes when a person has fuzul mal, they're not able to use that surplus for sadhka. We have very little time, but it's a very telling story, so we wanted to share it with you. That back there was a time in America that our sheikh was involved in a community that were trying to build a masjid, acquire land, property, building for masjid. And until then they were praying Juma in a church. Because the churches there would be so empty, you would rent them out on Friday and you would remove all of their statues and all of that. And there were some places like that in America, they were praying Jumana church. So once they were fundraising for uh, the masjid, 
Now in that community, which is wrong, what I'm about to say is wrong, but there were some people in that community who, because they were well-off people, they would donate, and sometimes they would ask each other, how much did you donate? Or they would sometimes try to ask us, like ask Khazraji or ask one of us, how much did that person donate? Sometimes they were doing it in the right way, they were wondering, how much should I donate? And that's why also Allah also says in Quran that sometimes you should donate publicly, because sometimes people see you donate and they get himma. Right, so if a university student donates a hundred pounds, other students say, oh, okay, I thought I was a student, I don't need to donate more than ten pounds. But they saw that person said, okay, if he can give a hundred, I can give a hundred also. Right? Sometimes this is done positively, sometimes this is done negatively, the people trying to show off how much they donate. So here this one person, he came to Hazraji, and he met Hazraji privately, and he said that, Hazrat, you know, a lot of people ask in this community, one another, how much they donate. And actually, although outwardly I appear to be a well-off person, but these days my business isn't going well, so I don't have that much money. So I'm going to make a donation, $100, but I can't make more than that. If somebody asks you, he didn't know that Hazri would never tell anybody. He was so fickered, this ugly, so it's, he had so much fickered. And what if somebody asked the sheikh, and the sheikh tells him, I only donated 100 so I'm being embarrassed. So he actually came to ask Hazri that please don't tell anyone how much I gave. Hazrati looked at him and said, I'm like, kya, kisko, kya batana? Right? Khair. So Hazrati said, fine. It's just to be nice to him, to keep his heart. And anyway, it's true. It's amanat, right? Whatever a person gives. So Hazrati told him, no, Hazrati told him, no problem. We won't tell anybody how much you gave. Alright? Let them think that you gave more. This was his intention. Let them think I gave more. Khair, we're not going to tell anybody you give more, but we won't tell anybody how much you gave. Okay. A couple of months later, what happened? Ajib, Gharib. There was one university student who was also in our group. And he had recently, he came to us in this process and he made toba in this process. And he started coming to Deen. And he told Hazaji, which he shouldn't have told the story, but he happened to tell it, right? That there was a concert and there was an Indian singer who was coming. And that the Indian, the, the tickets were being sold at $1,000 per ticket. And this person saw that man, he bought 12 tickets. So this person had ability to pay $12,000 for a concert. And he came with such an elaborate sob story, he told Sheikh that I can only give 100 to masjid and don't tell people and this and that. Hmm? So actually what happens is that when people engage in fuzul earning for the sake of dunya, for the sake of prestige, always concerned what people think, but the concern of fame, position, then they don't even get tawfiq to use that extra money in sadhgah. They can drop 1,000 pounds just on some random banquet, but if it comes time to donate to masjid, they will only give 100 pounds. Yes, they will pay to change their tickets for 1,000 pounds. If somebody comes for the masjid, they will just give 100 pounds. And even then they will feel it. They won't even feel when they drop 1,000 pounds on their own worldly expenses, but when they give 100 pounds, they will really feel a lot of asan. They will walk away tall and proud like they made a huge donation. This is also a sign that a person has fuzul money, that they don't have tawfiq to give that money in sadqah. They don't enjoy and love giving for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So first thing salikin should try is that however they earn, however little or much they earn, it must be halal. Second they should try, there should be halal at tayyib. There's another word Allah has put in Quran. And you shouldn't give up. You shouldn't think, okay, I live in UK, how can I get Dave? You should try. Make niyat. Keep making dua to Allah SWT. Never give up on doing any amal, any amal, amal on any ayah of Quran. What happens is if you stick with the doubtful, or you end up in haram, then it's big, big fuzul money causes a lot of problems. Causes fights between people, causes unrealistic expectations from spouse, can cause fights between wife and mother-in-law, Fuzul money is a lot of burden to take. And most people don't have the taqwa and adab to handle that burden. They don't have the taqwa and adab to handle that burden. And if they end up, they scratch from fuzul into haram, then children are disobedient. Children end up on sin. You end up in crisis. Listen to the story of Imam Munif to show how uninterested he was in fuzul. So one day he was closing a shop at Asr. And somebody asked him, then why are you closing your shop at Asr? And he said, today it's a bit cloudy. And after Asr, there's less light. He used to sell fabric, cloth. 
They said because it's cloudy and there's less light after a sir, people won't be able to see properly the kind of quality of cloth it is, so I'd rather close my shop early today. Now he's relaxed. He's happy to earn less on that day because he's so concerned with taqwa. And this concept is mind-boggling for somebody that be happy to earn less, happy that your business does less on a particular day for the sake of taqwa. So this was their nature. Because they knew that the dunya is not our maqsood. Dunya is not our purpose and goal. Therefore dunya was not mahboob to them. Dunya was not beloved to them. So the sign that you are too into dunya is that you can't let go. You can't close the shop one hour early. You can't go without one hour of your wages. You can't miss a day of wages. You can't turn down an offer. If you can't do that, you find it irresistible. That's what it means, that the dunya has become irresistible to you. No, dunya has to be resistible. Dunya has to be resistible. So the salakin, muttaqin, mu'mineen, they would stay away from fuzul earning. Some people have dis- dis- described fuzul earning as follows, that you can keep as much money, earn and save and keep and store as much money as you need. Second, you can earn and keep and save and store as much money for reasonable comfort. Third, you can earn and keep and save and store as much money you need for reasonable comfort and enough money to maintain that reasonable comfort for one year in case you became broke. But to keep and earn and save and store beyond that one year of saving, many ulama mashayik said that's the beginning of fuzul. Allahu alam, right? But they, some of them gave a rule of thumb that that's the beginning of fuzul, means that's the superfluous amount that a person should start giving away in charity. That a person should start giving away in charity. So we should be safe. We should be careful. Nabi Akrim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Al-halalu bayyunun, wal-haramu bayyunun, wa bayinuhuma umurun mushtabihat. That what is halal will be clear to your heart. What is haram will be clear to your heart. Sometimes your heart will be unclear. Those are things that are gray areas. To stay away from the gray area will bring you taqwa. To stay away from the gray area will bring you taqwa. To salakin, they want taqwa. How can you call yourself a salak and then not go for those things in which there's taqwa? So they would stay away from the doubtful. They would stay away from the gray areas. So much so that in their fuzul earning, stay away from fuzul earning, stay away from fuzul eating, they would also stay away from fuzul food, means they would not want to eat food cooked by somebody who did not pray. They would not eat food cooked by a non-Muslim. They would not eat food cooked by a Muslim who didn't pray. They would even try that the Muslim who cooks my food should be praying and also be bawazu when they make the food. Then they would try that the person should be namazi, bawazu and bazikr when they cook the food. And some mashaik they had an adat like that. And they would travel actually and suffer and they would carry their tiffin with them because they knew that food was cooked either by their wife or some khadim who was namazi and when they cooked the food, they were bawuzu and bazikr, they were unable to eat anything else. They were actually unable to eat anything else. Allahu Akbar Kamira. Can you imagine how spiritual these people were? This real taqwa. These were real muttaqeen salihin mu'minin. Real muttaqeen salihin mu'minin. Khair. How much can... A lot of things that are fuzul. I had about, I don't know, 10, 11, I'm only at number 8. Hmm? So maybe we do this last one. Last one, okay. Fuzul, number eight for you tonight. Fuzul ikhtilat. Means fuzul, meeting with people. Fuzul milna junna. Hmm? It's even a strange word in Urdu. Milna junna. Huh? Uh-huh. Fuzul, meeting with people. Fuzul, interacting with people. Fuzul, spending time with people. What does it mean? So you will call it hanging out chilling, we call it loitering, avaragardi in Urdu, avaragardi, it's all fuzul, fuzul spending time with people, hmm? as opposed to good spending time with people, 
which can be to meet them for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for the sake of deen, then it's ibadah. If you meet them for sin, then it's haram. And if you meet them for fun and gossip, recreation, entertainment, leisure and pleasure, it's fuzul. وَلَا تُكُمْ مِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ وَهُمَنَ اللَّغْوِ مُعْرِذُونَ It's fuzul. Our Mashaikh have said there are four categories of sohbat. Four categories of sohbat. Number one, some sohbat is like medicine, that you have to do it. You need to do it. It's like medicine. You have to do it. You need to do it. This may be a business meeting, but you have to meet that person, meeting client, sitting with customer, talking to colleague, talking to boss. So these are things like medicine. So when do we take? We never take extra medicine. You only take medicine as and when needed and, and the amount required and you never go for fuzul. So this sohbah, fine, you have to do that. You have to have interaction or engagement or meeting with people of the dunya that is there sometimes, but view that as medicine as and when needed to the extent necessary only when required. That's how you should view it. Second, there's some gathering, some interaction, some sohbah that is like sickness, sickness. These are the gatherings of sin. These are the gather. Sorry, sickness. These are the gatherings of ghafla. These are the gatherings of dunya. This is the leisure time, recreation time. This is when a person, the gatherings of ghafla. If you sit with people and they're ghafla of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this will be a sickness. You will be infected with the virus of ghafla. You will find yourself also forgetting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Third, some gatherings are like poison. Some gatherings are like poison. This is the gathering of sin, the gatherings and interactions with the people of sin, the people who disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, people who disrespect the hukum of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, people who neglect the sunnah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Such a meeting and interaction and engagement and gathering is sin. Is sin. Now some people say we're going there to make dawah. If you can make dawah, it's fine, but sometimes you end up being madhu. <laughs> They become ghalib and you become maghlub. Means their rung comes on you, their effect comes on you. So that if you find that you have to be honest, this is also a delusion. You're not, not every one of you is such a super die that you can go and affect them. Many of you, you may have that need initially. Maybe because somebody pumped you up, to making you think something that you're not. <laughs> and you go there and you end up coming back affected. So be watchful over your heart. And if you find that, that instead of you having an effect on them, they're having an effect on you, realize that this dawah I have to leave for somebody who's stronger than me in deen. This dawah has to be done by somebody who anfusakum wa ahlikum nara. Allah gave tertiv that you must save yourself and then save your ahl from the fire of Jahannam. Ulama of Tafsir mentioned that you cannot save others at the expense of yourself. That's not allowed in deen. Ku anfusakum wa ahlikum nara. You cannot save others at the expense of yourself. So this gathering is like poison. And the fourth type of gathering, this is the gathering that is the good gathering. This majalis is like ghiza, is nourishment, is nutrition. This gathering is like sweetness. This is the gatherings of dua, gatherings of zikr, gatherings of dawah, gatherings of ilm, gatherings of siha, gatherings of deen. Sitting with ulama, sitting with mashayikh, like Allah Ta'ala said in Qur'an, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanatukullaha wa kunu ma sadiqeen. So not normally the sign that a person is deprived of good company is when they engage in too much fuzul company. So because we spend so much time, idle time with random people, idle time with arbitrary people, that's what sometimes makes us mahroom from either being able to spend time in the good gatherings of deen or benefiting when we spend time in the good gatherings of deen. May Allah Ta'ala enable each and every one of us to leave all these eight types of fuzul that we mentioned tonight. May He make us to amal on balak to kum min al-ghafileen. May He make us the living embodiments of wuhuman al-laghwi mu'lidun. Wa akhirin da'wana. Anilhamdulillahi rabbin alameen.